Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. And I'm Tom Scholey, author of Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics and Fantastic Four Grand Design. Going to look at The Amazing Spider-Man number one, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Before we open this, want to ask everybody out there to like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Hit that bell icon to be notified when we post new videos. That way you'll have a leg up if you see a video uh, of a new comic that you want to add to your collection, you'll be the first ones to go hunting for it at your local comic shop, eBay, Amazon, wherever you try to track down your comics. Kayfabe effect means some of these comics get hard to find as the day goes on. So you want to be the first ones to know about it and to be looking for those. Also let the videos play through to the end. That allows YouTube's algorithm to share our videos with other comics fans who may not have found Cartoonist Kayfabe yet. That's how we grow the channel. 60,000 plus strong so far due to your help but we are aiming for six million. So let those videos keep playing, spread the good word of Cartoonist Kayfabe, and uh, let's make this happen. So diving into Amazing Spider-Man number one, kind of a nice facsimile edition here. Mm -hmm. um, Tom, where does this come out of? It's from the Folio Society. Right. You get the big book, and then they always include like a little replica of something. So the Spider-Man volume has Spider-Man number one. It's interesting how, you know, it's such a seminal work and we all come to it with different reprints. You yeah. know, like uh -huh. I, I have it as an Essentials, uh, black and white reproduction, you know, it would be reprinted in Marvel Tales. Different places it would pop up as a reprint. So this is a pretty nice one. We've looked at Folio Edition Captain America mm -hmm. and uh, they do a nice job with it. And after after, after uh, Steve Ditko passed, uh, the, it was sort of made public that he had about three million bucks, like in his coffers like when he passed so like he got some royalties man you know? i'm glad to hear that yeah that that's that's nice because uh when he did it it wasn't set up for royalties mm -hmm. so it's nice if that's retro applied um there's also been tashin did a big uh reprint of this like oversized Very recently i think using some of heroes cons uh shelton drum uh as a resource is a big a known big spider-man fan so i think he uh lent some of his rare comics to that collection but it is amazing like how this stuff just perseveres you know you think a lot of these guys they're making these comics in the 60s and comics look down upon but here we are you know 40 50 60 years later and it's like this stuff just keeps being repackaged and uh brought out to subsequent generations so pretty cool amazing spider-man number one not the first appearance of spider-man famously uh amazing adult fantasy number 15 we looked at that in a past video so you can check that out they dropped the adult for that one that was the, they dropped adult for the final issue right uh but you can find that in one of our past videos so check that out when you see this thick border on these old joints man you just know if you've seen that original piece of art that that's pasted up yes um that was something that that i discovered in that chip kid fantastic four is that Stan Lee and, and I guess uh, Martin Goodman were famous for like monkeying around with these cover elements and the blurbs and stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure a lot of the text that we see on these covers are paste ups and, and maybe even revised through those different reprints. And then can, correct me if I'm wrong, this is a Kirby cover inked by Ditko. I can't correct you. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that either. But what I will say about this issue is like the highlight is seeing Steve Ditko draw some uh, Fantastic Four characters. Yeah, it's, it's you really know, cool. You get to see him ink some some Kirby on the early FF. Uh, the 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 Red Ghost uh, issue, mm -hmm. I believe, is is one that comes to mind, man. But seeing seeing Ditko's application is 
is really fun. Now, all, all, all the shit that, like, the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man or whatever gets, it's all baked into the sauce of Ditka with these, like, limbs bending back. He's he's insectile. He's going not, to... Not that a spider's an insect, but he's, you know, he can he can do all kinds of weird stuff with his body. Always fun, like, reading the indices in this old stuff, because it's never the same publishing company twice, I feel like. We, well, did, we did that Fantastic Four one, and it was not what I'm looking at right there, which is, like, non-perial publishing corp. It's a, it's a pretty famous, like, shell game that Martin Goodman was starting up new companies and, and then ending other ones and just shuffling stuff around. And, you know, ask Jack Kirby and Joe Simon when they were told, oh, there's no royalties earned on Captain America, that, you know, even though we promised you royalties. Um, I was real impressed reading this this week, or rereading it, I should say. They, they hit the ground running really well with yeah. issue one. You know, we look at a ton of issue ones and we talk about what works and doesn't. This is a really good issue one. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think so also. And you have to, you have to allow, you have to read stuff in context, man. And just imagine like the other stuff that was out there at the time and what they build with this is fantastic. Yeah. The idea of like a boy superhero, like who's not a sidekick. Mm-hmm. That's got to blow like a little kid's mind first off. And then giving him at least some dimension of like, man, my poor aunt. Like, I, I remember feeling this stuff, like reading it in Marvel Tales. Like, yeah, how, how is he going to solve this? And he and he doesn't. He, he never does, man. Right. And of course, that's what Stan Lee's known for, right, is bringing pathos to these superhero characters. Spider-Man's full of it, the poster child for it. Maybe the, the apex of Stan Lee's ability to do that, where like, everything's wrong in his life. I saw Harlan Ellison uh, talk about like the Silver Age of, of comics and the the uh, resurgence of Marvel. And he's like, just once I would like to see that goddamn Spider-Man happy. <laughs> he's got, I agree with him. He's got that. money problems. He's got social problems. He has his uncle being uh, murdered problems, which they don't hang on Spider-Man's head in this recap the way they do in the original story, right? Where it's like yeah. clearly Spider-Man lets the crook go and that's the crook mm-hmm. that kills his uncle. And of course, with great powers come great responsibilities. Quite a bit of that's uh, skipped in this recap. Yeah, they'll lean heavy in it from now on. So he's trying to figure out what to do, and his his plan is to do a Spider-Man show. Uh, and, of course, his, his friends are like, hey, come with us to the show, and he, he can't go because he's performing, but their impression is he's too much of a nerd. Uh-huh. So you get the social dynamic of he's a loser as a high school kid, too. This is funny. That reminds me of, like, the ex- exorcist all twisted up, you know, like he's walking upside <laughs> uh-huh. down or whatever, double-jointed maybe. And he's planning on, like, how can he make money? He could get whatever he wants with these spider powers. But that's not, that goes against him. Yeah. Not a criminal. Yeah, you better have some good values if you have the power to do anything you want. We we read a lot of these old comics, and some of them are super clunky. I thought this flowed very well. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know who to give all the credit to, but some of it has to go to Ditko, just in layouts. I mean, because yeah. Because it's, it's smooth. Like, all the writing's pretty smooth. Mm-hmm. Not always the case with Stan Lee, and I don't blame Stan Lee for that. Sometimes you get this stuff back, and you've got to make what you have work. Uh, but it works seamlessly it's here. such a good image right it's there. Great. Yeah. Spider-Man looks so cool from the beginning. So the thing of like kind of putting on a show is kind of like a reiteration of his first appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have, like, he gets a check. And how do you cash this check? <laughs> right. It says Spider-Man on it. You know, that's not good enough. We need some ID. You know, these are... We take them for granted, but... This is a whole scene. This this would be a page of comics if you did it yeah. today. The back and forth trying to get the check cash. Totally, and 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 it's funny because like yes, that's how that stuff works, man. And uh, like the kayfabe of all kinds of stuff, like like Banksy and shit like that. Like 
Banksy does not get sent a check for to to Banksy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like people know his name. J. Jonah Jameson, we established that he's anti-Spider-Man. Whenever he's done with this article, Spider-Man will be run out of town. Yeah, my recollection of this issue was that J. Jonah Jameson's kind of okay with Spider-Man until he upstages his son when he saves his life. But it's like he hates him from the beginning, and then by the end of the story, he really hates yeah. him. Yeah, he uses he uses Spider-Man as the MacGuffin to promote his his boy. And that's what our first story is going to be, right? His son is is going. Uh, he's an astronaut. He's going on this experimental flight. Yeah, and kind of reminding you that okay, it is the early '60s. It's space age. It's like the Kennedy era. Absolutely. And Spider-Man's pissed. Can't do the shows anymore because of the the backlash that's mount that's building under Jameson's newspaper. Look at poor Aunt May, man. She's she's pawning Hawk, off her pawning her, her jewelry, her jewelry that Uncle Ben got her and stuff. Yeah, and all all of this stuff completely new in like I don't I I couldn't point to another comic before this Absolutely that has any not. of this stuff going on. I always talk about like being able to relate or whatever. This is such a great it's such great characterization. It's an old lady that's just trying to provide for her nephew. Things are hard, lost her husband and now she's got to sell stuff just to try to make rent. Pretty easy to understand that. And you don't see like rarely do you see characters and money in comics. Right, yeah, like um fiscal reality or whatever is like not an element. Yeah, and it's a big deal right here from from issue number 1. So here we go, man. Jameson's son on the on the rocket pad. This is all fun. I was looking at this stuff and thinking how much, like, this could be a Charlton comic. And not yeah. just for Ditko, but, I mean, it's just, you know, it's relatively generic kind of characters. Um, we looked at, I, I looked at X-Men number one this week also. Same kind of deal where it's like a lot of it hasn't, language-wise, hasn't been figured out yet. And you look at this and it could be, any Silver Age comic that you pull out of a, a dusty old bin. Absolutely. But it's got a little extra oomph, like right. a little bit of magic that makes it like really good, you know? Right. And it's it's such a, if, if you can figure out what that thing is. I mean, that that costume design is one big piece. I yeah, mean, that might be the, the greatest costume designer in, in mm -hmm. Silver Age comics, maybe. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think so. This whole page is great. Like what a cool angle and stuff. Ditko's so good at that, like bending the Spider-Man up. You mentioned Todd McFarlane in the beginning, mm -hmm. and it is cool to see those kinds of like almost oddities. And and like so much of the language of Spider-Man is in here. Like that's a very Spider-Man thing of where something's going on in like Jameson's office. He pops in, makes a quip, you know, maybe you know does a little prank, and then jumps back out the window. You know, we're gonna see this again in the uh, in the second story, running on like a tightrope style. Yeah, Superman did that. But his plan is uh, there's some backup piece that, you know, the, the shuttle has malfunctioned and Spider-Man's going to try to deliver the part to save the day. This is a pretty fun sequence that I'm surprised we didn't see in any of the, like, millions of Spider-Man movies, you know? You know what this is? Shades of the human fly yeah, from the 70s, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of these shots, too. These, this high shot looking down at the street level. It's kind of weird to have, like, white as your street, but that point of view, I yeah. think, is distinct. And pretty good for a superhero comic. So grabs that shuttle with his webbing, gets to the shuttle. This is a great page of superhero comics. Yeah, great man. physics. Yeah. yeah, that's really good, man. Standing on on top of the airplane. Jim, point of view is a good thing too, because point of view is like one of the big things with Spider-Man too. Like those point of views, but then also like looking up to like these other superheroes. Like like you know, here's me, and then here's you know where I want to be. I give a lot of that credit to Ditko. Yeah, that feels like a Ditkoism. Look at the brevity of line. In there, it's it's almost a fucking Dennis the Menace 
comic or something. What a benefit that he inks himself too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, There's like a woodcut quality. That's so Charlton to me. Yes. That could mm-hmm. be Captain ADAM. Even the, the shuttle thing, it has that generic quality. Well, it, it, it is it is fun to compare because you, you it, it is such a direct comparison you can make and you can sort of see like the different elements and maybe what Stan Lee's bring into the table. It, same with like Wallywood Daredevil. You look at that and then you look at his tower thing and you see a lot of the similarities. You yeah. see a lot of the differences. It's nice to have that. And somehow Jameson figures out a way to uh, twist this against uh-huh. Spider-Man. We create a theme for the uh, the comic moving forward. It this is... is almost pro wrestling. Yeah. Because it feels like, come on, there's <laughs> yeah. no way you could do this. Well, you know, modern fucking media yeah. is, is not too far from this, man. Like uh, That's very true. You know, Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the comic books that we make uh, out right now, man. Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue one, two, three, and potentially issue number four. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Rube Comics. Every issue is completely self-contained, so when you see these comics out in the wild, scoop it up, you're going to get a full experience, and if you dig it, go grab another issue by Jim Rugg, a Hulk Grand Design Monster, Hulk Grand Design Madness. The man takes 300 issues of Incredible Hulk per issue and crams them into a succinct 40-page story an incredible romp that encompasses all of the best hits from Incredible Hulk lore. In stores now, scoop up these books. Now that we're done paying the bills, back to the video. Tap into every manga fan's greatest dream with Comixology Unlimited. Get unlimited access to an unrivaled library of over 40,000 digital comics, manga, and graphic novels featuring hit manga titles like Attack on Titan, Vinland Saga, and Fairy Tale. And on top of that, you can also save up to 15% when buying select new and current comics. With Comixology Unlimited, get unlimited reading anywhere you go. Try Unlimited today with a free 30-day trial and just $5.99 a month afterwards. For details, visit Amazon.com slash Comics Unlimited. And Harlan Ellison's thing of, of Spider-Man never getting him to smile. He does get to smile. He got to smile in the panel right before you know he gets hit in the face with the 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 so he gets his moment but it always gets taken away at the last second beautiful lettering on this page i love these shots of that's Sp- like that's yeah. one of my favorite spider-man drawings ever mm-hmm. uh love that one too man again to do it all by issue one fascinates me yeah i wonder how much of that is stanley isms you know, because I, I kind of think of him as really being editor. Like when you read some of the accounts of his day to day, it feels like that's a big piece that he did that I don't know how you even talk about it. Who would mm-hmm. know what? But when you hear like breakdowns in some of the interviews with him, the deposition we did uh, reading Stan Lee, I feel like he he deserves more credit for the level of polish that these books come out with. Well, I mean, I'd say like in the case of Ditko, I've been looking at a lot of Ditko and Ditko from this era and then comparing it to like the Kirby stuff. There is like an intensity and a density to the Ditko stuff that I feel like Ditko was a little bit younger, a little bit nerdier, like, and he was a comic book fan. These other guys were too, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were too old to be comic book fans. He was a comic book fan. He is bringing, like, this is him showing up with like his full bag of tricks and some youthful energy and putting as much into this stuff as he can before he burns out like everybody else in comics does. And then you never see this kind of work again. So, you know, but again, yeah, we'll never know. I'd say, you know, Ditko deserves at least 50%. Maybe it's 50 exactly. Maybe it's more, but I, I can't ima- think of him getting any, deserving any less yeah, than 50%. Sure. So a second story, right? That first one, I think it's 13 pages. Similar on the second one. 
makes me think like these were designed for that amazing fantasy. They're going to be amazing fantasy 16 and 17, you know? Yeah. But for a number one issue, fantastic because now you're getting two stories of this mm -hmm. character and speaking of fantastic there's your ditko fantastic four they look good and i think this is the first crossover in the this era of marvel comics previous to this it would be like um the human torch holding up a copy of the hulk comic or mr fantastic talking about an issue of amazing fantasy or something this is the first you know this is the beginning of that like marvel universe Chameleon looks really awesome towering over the buildings too. Such an interesting character because you don't know what that is. Like, like uh -huh. and, and it's that classic thing of like the mask guy wearing masks. Right. And even I, like I missed this on my first read through, even like the characters on the street level running. Good stuff. A lot of the nine panels. I associate that with Ditko. I think a lot of us do, but to the, the density you're talking about, Tom, that's where you, where I really see it in this, this issue. And again, more of this like new approach of like, you know, financial reality where he's like, I'm going to try to audition for the Fantastic Four. This is where they live, the Baxter building, just like a, a real, like matter of fact, man on the street, like logical way of approaching these stories. I feel like this is in Marvel's, this shot. Yeah, maybe those guys are good for that kind of thing for of sure. Course. Get a, get a shot of the Baxter building as Spider-Man's uh, figuring his way in, and he goes right into this trap. Of course, no trap's going to hold a regular uh, Spider-Man character, superhuman strength, so he destroys that, and uh, and they bring it up. That device cost us thousands if you wreck it. Um, so again, back to that idea of like talking about money in these comics. And this is this is what I'm here for, really. <laughs> like seeing, seeing what Ditko does with the FF yeah. characters giant hands it's still that early iteration of thing mm -hmm. so he's trying to figure out what the hell kirby's doing with with the, those orange globs now there's like a really great thing here where he's like we're we're a non-profit we like they're telling you the business model of the fantastic four <laughs> it's like we're a non-profit we take the money that we bring in and we develop you know our super apparatuses to help us fight crime and and we pay for you know our our needs but it, we're a nonprofit. What do you think this is, General Motors? Like that's a pretty sophisticated thing to lay on a kid, lay on like a, like a seven year old. And I took note of it. Like I was a, I was a little kid reading this. But like this this chameleon one in particular was one I had and just read it a million times. You know? Hey, I'm glad you mentioned the kid thing because that's something that I often struggle with on some of these old comics. Is like this is written for a seven year old. It really is. So mm -hmm. there's gonna be the weird stuff when we talk about like this is well done or it flows mm -hmm. or whatever on the writing. Keep that in mind at home. Yeah. Like, like that's filtered through the idea that it is aimed at children. Now, the pacing, I love the pacing on these chameleon sequences because it's like he's got his disguise and then you see him in the next panel with his disguise and then the pa panel after that, he discards it, has a new disguise. Like, it, it really moves at a really nice rate. I love the props. Like, yeah. Those masks are so cool as, like, your backdrop and details around the chameleon's lair. He's just, like, discarding them left and right. They're like, there's, like, a, you know litter of, of and he looks great with no mask yeah like that's a good character design choice mm -hmm. by uh ditko because he could have had a default mask or he could have had a very a generic face. mask something like that that he walked around in that's a perfect choice i love that it's so practical too like i think he becomes a character that could just like uh shift his unstable molecules and switch uh, his face but... that, that's another ditko thing he would really think out the reality of this stuff like i mean think about even just the physics of the costume but then the web shooter he, he you know in in amazing fantasy 15 he really goes into detail about what that web shooter is this is fun soliciting uh mail for mm -hmm. uh upcoming letters column and look at the weird body of spider -Man. that's a kirby drawing of spider-man very strange giant neck and, and shoulders and when kirby would talk about like oh yeah i created spider-man like 
people would laugh and be like, okay, he's he's out to lunch. But it kind of makes sense. It's like he's coming in there with him and Joe Simon's Spider-Man pitch, and mm-hmm. then that gets you know, thrown in the garbage or whatever, and then he draws the cover to the first appearance of Spider-Man, and then he draws the cover uh, uh, to uh, Amazing Spider-Man number one, and, and then he's doing like very early Spider-Man stories in, you know, Strange Tale annuals and things like that. So it's like, I could see why he would, you know, really, you know, I, he's I got like a the, point. The biggest know? revelation, though, like with this character really is that, that Ben Cooper yes. costume yeah. from mm-hmm. the 50s mm-hmm. that has the same kind of webbing, he has like a cholo like baseball cap where the with the bill is up and says Spider-Man going across. <laughs> has a black like Lucho Libre mask. It's called Spider-Man. I think one of the very first uh, pieces of licensed memorabilia is the Ben Cooper Spider-Man costume. That is an evolution of the Ben Cooper original yeah. Spider-Man costume. It's, it has yellow and stuff. Right. And, and I just imagine that Cooper is like, listen, <laughs> I won't pursue a claim, but you got to let me get that license at a steep discount. Now go back a page, because this basically looks like an ad for the Ben Cooper Spider-Man costume. You know, the, the color, the, the way it's, you know, that, that that's it right there. This is pretty fun. It's a solicitation for letters, and mm-hmm. it's explaining how, like, your letters will be in issue three, because by the time you, yeah. you send them in or whatever, issue two will be out. Uh, kind of fun. That's a little bit of that kayfabe stuff. But I keep seeing the references to 1963, right, whenever yeah. this is coming out. What a magical year when you yeah. start thinking about what all was coming out from Marvel in, in 63. Yeah, like, really hitting the ground. Incredible, like lightning in a bottle. So Chameleon figures out like, oh, Spider-Man's looking for money. So I'm going to set him up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contact him through like some frequency that only a spider would hear due to his spider powers. But he essentially sets him up to be on this rooftop where Chameleon poses as Spider-Man to steal these defense plans, like missile plans. Um, spy, Cold War, espionage yeah. kind of stuff. And then he flees in a helicopter just as Spider-Man arrives and the authorities have chased the chameleon disguised as Spider-Man to this rooftop where he, Spider-Man then shoots his web all over the cops, cementing his idea of like, this Spider-Man's the bad guy. He's at a um, spider exhibit, <laughs> yes. like doing research. I, and I love anytime there's like a Ditko museum exhibit. Yeah. I like the idea, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always part of the superhero mythos, right? Is like you go out and you test your powers or whatever. This is such a different way to like, hey, I've got spider tendencies. Let's let's learn about spiders. What, what can I do? At first glance, it looks like he's in his spider cave. <laughs> <laughs> and then what a, what a beautiful bit of like drawing here and color with that like blue, you know, silhouette guy and the webs. I love him running up the stairs too. There are a lot of those moments where the drawings, the panels just pop, just stand out. This I love the, the the comics of that. That's great. What a composition! Yeah, you're pulling back on your sling make, makeshift slingshot. You pull back in the middle of the composition. That's incredible. It reads. It's mm-hmm. just perfect yeah. reading. So Spider-Man tracks down the uh, chameleon in his helicopter and brings him to justice, sort of, until he flees mm-hmm. throws a smoke pellet and disappears and starts flipping through different identities as he's running through a crowd cool idea would be very hard to do and it's it's flawless mm-hmm. yeah the words help they do yeah they definitely mm-hmm. do I, I don't know that you could follow it as easily without that but even with the words it, i feel like that's a tough ask to have yeah. him going into different identities he's a cop he's spider-man love whenever the lights get turned yeah, out and now we just go blue. to blue this is real fun uh because he's still codifying the Spider-Man costume, and yeah. you see the webs going any mm-hmm. which way, kind of a little off. It's kind of weird there. He's figuring that stuff out. 
the the spider sense helps with like you know it, not having the word if you didn't have the words because there are like sequences where it's like okay that must be the real spider-man because he's got all that you know, stuff shooting out of his head. When he nails it too, it just feels so good. Like yeah. to me, that's uh-huh. such a good Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and being monochromatic there really helps. You wonder like when you think of the black Spider-Man costume, I'm just laying groundwork for those, those ideas. Good silhouettes uh-huh. of the cops. Very good, believable, like lights out environment. Yeah. And yeah, Spider-Man gets the raw end of the stick. They, they think he's the bad guy. And so he sneaks out. He doesn't even get to see that it ended up having a happy ending. They did They did find the guy because he ripped the guy's shirt in the tussle. And so Spidey's kind of running away, sort of sobbing, like, I blew it again. He's running away here, and I love that he's this street-level character. They established it on the previous page that he's run out of his spider fluid. You know, so logically, he has to be running. He can't be swinging from building to building. But I just love that it's like Spider-Man on the street as this, like, urban crime fighter. And then you get the Fantastic Four thinking about, like, man, he's this teenager... I'm worried about him. Mm-hmm. What's, what's what's he going to do? That's pretty good stuff. And love that final panel. It just all works. Yeah. It's just really a pleasure to read this. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of these, like, you know, first and early Marvel things. And it's like one home run after another. Yeah, there is magic. Yeah, I'm glad you had this version, too. I like seeing mm-hmm. it in color. I think that really helps uh, nail that. Yeah, I had a version of this comic when I was a kid that I read a million times. It was like smaller and it had this cover, but then it's like they took out that first story and popped in uh, Amazing Fantasy number 15. So it was like a really nice, like if you only had one Spider-Man comic, it was pretty nice, you know, all that stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Cool, you guys good? Yeah. Okay, favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. What you got out there, Jim? Hulk Grand Design Monster and Hulk Grand Design Madness are both in comic shops now. It's my retelling of the 60-year history of the Hulk, celebrating a lot of the key moments in the Hulk's history and a lot of the great cartoonists that came before me. I'm writing, drawing, coloring, doing all of that, you know, the Grand Design uh, method. And uh, also join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see more of my comics. Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue 1, 2, and 3 are on the stands as we speak. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Room Comics. Banned in 28 countries, banned in 10 comic shops, but you can order and pre-order those comics at my link tree in the description below this video. You can also hit up my Patreon to read the comics uh, archive on my on my Patreon. Uh, 200 pages up there right now as we speak, new strips every Tuesday. What do you have out there, Tom? I retell this story in Fantastic Four Grand Design. Uh, you can check out Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics to find out a little more behind the scenes of, of the creation of Spider-Man. And uh, check out my Patreon and go to my YouTube channel, Total Recall Show. What else do we have, Jim? Subscribe to the Cartoonist KFAB newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist KFAB t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That's another great way to support the Cartoonist KFAB channel. Jimmy, give them those marching orders. We'll be on our way. Read more comics. True believers.